0: Now, it's time for the Cybersecurity News bite with Jim Guckin. Cybersecurity News bite, episode number 65. For July 24th, 2023, risks of illegal software downloads, hacking as a business, Sophos impersonated by new Sophos Encrypt ransomware, and Fortinet Labs discovers .zip domains to be fueling phishing attacks. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Once again, I am your host, uh, Jim Guckin. Uh, We are here for another week, another four stories that I think you need to pay attention to as we uh, continue down this path of cybersecurity knowledge together. Um, And I say it's really knowledge together because I'm constantly learning things when it comes to the cybersecurity realm. And, you know, some of these things are things that you need to know as well. Like, you know, um, especially if you you work as an IT person in a business, like, or just like to keep up with the uh the trends of some of these hackers out there so for our first story this week I uh, want to talk about a new uh malware strain out there called hot rat which I can only imagine how that name came to be um, but it is based off an automatic script uh, that is pretty much a variant of a, of a program called async rat uh, RAT, for those of you who don't know, stands for Remote Access Trojan, meaning the application gives access to, you know, your ability to um, your systems, whether it's, you know, local or whatever. It, it gives attackers access to your environment that you do not want to know. And this is phones, computers, so, oh, malware, all our um, routers, stuff like that the malware can access. So here is where the target comes in, and it's very close to my heart because this was like my entire childhood was based off of this, which is the victims uh, of this particular remote access uh, malware uh, specifically are people who are looking for crack software or looking for free software variants, of very expensive software you don't feel like paying money for. Uh, we all have this, you know, you're, you're kind of curious. You're like, oh, well, I wonder if I can get Adobe Premiere or Adobe Illustrator for free. Uh, and you type it into Google and it takes you to all those websites with like a thousand ads and it just it looks bad. Uh, and that's equivalent to what, you know, I used to do in the early days of like Kazaa or LimeWire, stuff like that, uh, where you, you can get access to stuff you shouldn't. So if you are currently looking for uh, some uh, ill-begotten software, uh, especially uh, those from like torrent sites or our torrent uh, files or cracked websites, uh, be on the lookout. Uh, also, from the report that we got from uh, the company who found this, uh, you have to be careful if you're looking specifically for some very popular software. So some of the examples they were able to provide were Adobe. So Illustrator, Master Collection, Photoshop, if you're looking for those kind of um, softwares out there, then yeah, this is this is where they're aiming for. Uh, Microsoft, if you're using, a, if you're looking for a free version of Office or a free version of Windows, pl- please don't, but once again, could be targeted by this malware. Uh, also video games, Battlefield 3, uh, Age of Empires uh, 4, Red Alert 2, The Sims 4. Uh, there's also some other premium softwares that are being targeted by this uh, IOBit Driver Booster, VMware Workstation, and Revo Uninstaller Pro. So these are all the top level um, you know, applications they're currently finding on these torrent files or on these crack sites that have this new kind of... Malware that's made to infect your computer and really to steal all of your data is really what it comes down to in the long run and uh, The way it goes is kind of Well interesting uh, for the for the the thing so you download your file whether from the website or from a torrent file um, and There is actually a uh, auto hotkey uh, application that appears to be the setup file now, when you run this, it's gonna say you need admin. As someone in the past who has who has pirated software, yeah, that's kind of normal. It wouldn't be anything you you would suspect because you need to either make some changes to the system for it to work, or uh, you just need to make sure that you can, uh, you know, install the file. So you double click it, it says you need admin, right? So you go, yeah, sure. Uh, so one of the things this uh, auto hotkey um, script does is immediately if it finds uh, a Vera uh, antivirus, it uninstalls it, uh, and then we'll try to go through and modify the Windows Defender. Uh, it also does a PowerShell script to create a scheduled task on your computer, meaning a task that is uh, completed at a scheduled time where it runs over and over and over again. Uh, this gains persistence on the machine, meaning that if for some reason something were to wipe it out. That script would run then and bring it back down, uh, and that script is set to run every two hours, um, and it runs as uh, a Visual Basic script, uh, which is just a programming language. You don't, need, if you don't understand it, you don't need to understand it. Um, but what it does is it creates a uh, Windows Defender exception called uh, for a file called RegASM.exe. This is what the malware uses. So it says, hey, Windows Defender, I know you might see this. And if you do, it's totally cool. Um, it also then uh, uh, downloads and unpacks a .NET extractor, which is made for um, unpacking some of the malicious files, like the Hot Rat payload, uh, that will be coming down. And uh, it will also use some of these malicious tools to detect, you know, frequently used antivirus software, so that it can get rid of it as, as, as you know, it wants to run. Uh, and it actually does this, which I think is kind of funny. If you're trying, if one, of, you know, one of the files we, we mentioned here uh, that it run that that, that people are being scammed from it is IO Bit, and there is an IO Bit lock uh, unlocker, um, or uninstaller file that it uses to actually get rid of any uh, antiviruses. Uh, and it also kind of dumbs down the system so it doesn't ask for permission to do any of this stuff. It's all running in the background. Um, so once the coast is safe, once it's 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 ran its kind of uh, script, it continues on, the next thing it does is actually download the, the hot rat malware and starts doing all sorts of shady stuff with it. In fact, um, it creates a PowerShell uh, that takes two PNG files, which are which are image files, and then extracts itself and installs it and builds itself into your computer at that point. So, you know, it can continue to maintain what we call persistence, meaning it does everything it possibly can to keep itself locked into your computer. Um, so, Hot Rat is, is is dangerous in this aspect because you you wouldn't want people to have access to your computer who are not you. So it is something that um, you need to pay attention to when you're downloading this kind of stuff. Now, for our second story this week, uh, and it's an interesting one because I've talked about it in pieces through other versions of of the episodes we have done, um, but I really want to make sure that this is something that you kind of get an idea around. So we, we, th- we generally think of hackers as, you know, the, you know, V for Vendetta wearing uh, Guy Fawkes masks with gloves and hoods in their basements typing on their computer, which is really just a bad stereotype. It's not horribly wrong, but for the ones I know, it's a bad stereotype. Um, so I came across a um, an article or a research paper, you want to call it, from Coveware. Uh, they put out for their uh, 2023 second quarter um, Analysis of the internet and they found something very interesting that ransomware payments themselves have fallen down to 34% of businesses and They have a chart, which is very interesting which shows from the time they began to look at this Which is uh, quarter one of 2019 so the first you know once you started fresh into 2019 January February March of 2019 at the time there was uh, 85% of businesses were paying ransomware we've fallen down to 34 so it's been it's been a a, a, de- a, st- uh, a decline a noticeable decline when it comes to paying ransomware payments from organizations and what they had found by doing some of this uh, invest uh, investigation into this which I thought was very interesting was that like I've been saying for a while that cyber criminals look at this like a business like any other business that you currently have. If you run a business, anything along those, the same thoughts you have on running your business is how cyber criminals in general, not all of them, there will always be fringe cases, but in general, this is how they operate. So they have found uh, by plotting this out that there, there, there are about five different examples of extortion strategies. And these take in the characteristics of the attack and the economics of the attack. Uh, And the chart um, pretty much breaks it up by, um, on the left-hand side, they kind of have the monetary impact felt by the victim of the attack, Um, you know, with kind of business disruption being the big driver for that one. And at the bottom, they kind of have what's the effort that the uh, malicious actor must use to conduct this attack Um, and kind of what their expected profit will be. And it's weird, you know, to talk about this in this kind of case because you don't really think of uh, malicious actors or hackers being that. Well, what's the what's the what's the cost? What's my likelihood of return on my investment? But this is the way they actually do think. So, uh, when you take into the fact of the chart, they have um, at the bottom, which is the the. The expected profit, which is done by multiplying the probability that an attack will result in ransom being paid, and then they multiply that by the amount of ransom that may be paid. Uh, so, and and I know that's kind of confusing because if this was a math class, I would be already asleep listening to it. Um, but so take it take it here. I, I, example one they give us. So let's say a malicious actor, a hacker, is using leaked data to steal a file from a business that has a sole proprietor. So from the hacker's viewpoint, there's low cost. The, the, the data is already leaked. It's probably out there. They may pay $5 for a whole bunch of stuff. But the, the cost for this kind of attack is very low. And the impact on the customer, or, or the customer, the victim is low. They're not breaking things. They're just they're taking data and stealing it from that one person. They're not impacting the business. It, you know, it's low, low for, for that kind of thought. Now, on the other end of that example, let's take someone who spends half a million dollars to acquire a zero day vulnerability, meaning there are no patches for it. They're not aware of it. Uh, it is guaranteed to succeed as long as that software is there. So you may spend half a million dollars to get this this vulnerability that doesn't exist anywhere else. No one else knows about it, not even the the people themselves, the the vendor, so let's say it's Microsoft. Microsoft doesn't even know about this yet. So you get it, and then you have to invest time for, let's say, a month worth of uh, reconnaissance on the network, gaining access to it, making some lateral movements to exploit it. Um, Now, this example, right now, to to steal data, is very low for the victim. You're not damaging their stuff. You're not um, holding it for ransom. You're just getting into the network. But the cost already is half a million just in cash, and then let alone whatever it takes for a month for you to get through their network. From this one, you need a big payout to make it profitable for you, the evil bad guy. And I thought it was interesting because they break the kind of attacks down into a couple different uh, generic high-level classifications of this. So the first type of attack, they call it a phantom attack. These are the ones that are social engineering attempts. They're easy to automate. Um, there's usually no real impact on the business other than they get into it, and they probably steal some data out of it. There's a no or low chance of payouts. And if they do get paid out, it's pretty much between one and five grand. Um, and the cost to the threat actor or the malicious actor or the hacker is low or maybe medium if they're running out some kind of uh, service to do this. So the second kind of attack that they mention here, uh, which is a little more sophisticated, uh, is it called a spray attack, which is where they just take a whole bunch of usernames and passwords and spray them against a particular thing. So whether it's a database or a login page, um, it's kind of a little more fancy than the fan, but has like the same kind of feel to it, except for this one. You're threatening them, saying, "Hey, look, I've got your data. I will delete it. I'm not steal. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to steal the data. Uh, this is just purely for disruption." Uh, from this one, you may have uh, low business impact. Maybe they delete a couple files. There's really a low chance that they're going to pay you because you haven't stolen the files. They still have everything. You've just gained access to their system. Um, your payout, if you get anything, is going to be low, and there's zero. Or low cost to the threat actor. Once again, these are all things that you know, they have to think about. So let's come to one that's more a either a network attached storage thing or a um, server they, they gain access to. Now this could be lower, medium impact on the business because now you've gained access to it. There's a medium chance that you're going to get paid out. If you get paid out, you'd be low mid figures. And The cost to run this on your end as the hacker is lower medium depending on what tools you're using um, But you do invest a little more time in this um, you have to scan and deploy your payloads They once again tend to be automated because it's cheaper to uh, have a robot do it than anyone else um, And the good thing there is you could scale that if it's automated you can say rather than just one type of server I'm targeting I can now target 50 So you can scale that up pretty quick for low cost. Hopefully get more out of your victims. Now, the one we generally hear about more uh, is data exfiltration, meaning someone has taken data from a business and they've taken it out and they've moved it somewhere else. Now, depending on what else they do in the system, this could really have a and also depending on the quality of data really being stolen, this could have anywhere from a lower or high impact to the business. Now, they've moved up. There's a medium chance that they may get a payout, maybe low, depending on what data you've stolen. If I stole, you know, Bob's Christmas vacation pictures, there's a chance the company may not pay me. Um, Now, the payouts, when they are done, are usually on the medium to higher side. Because now I've taken data, probably sensitive data, maybe data that you may not want a competitor to have or leak out there. Or even the embarrassment of me having that data. Um, so the likelihood that you, the payout amounts are going to be a little more on the higher end, but the overall, you know, uh, chance of the payout is probably right in the medium range, right around 40 to 50%. Now remember, this is no encryption. This is only stealing the data. This is more based on extortion than anything else. We see a lot of these different attacks. We've seen them, we've talked about a hundred times, um, and the money I'm going to ask for is a lot higher because it, it takes a lot more time to get that stuff and to, and to sit there and hold the ransom uh, and, and hope that you don't get busted in the meantime. Now, the all-time popular one that we hear and we talk about in the show ad nauseum is the encryption ransomware, meaning that someone breaks into a network and they run an encryption uh, algorithm on all the compu- all the files on the computers and be able to lock people off from getting them, unless they pay you. Now, if you're clever and want to increase the chance of getting a decent payout, is you let it sit in the system for a while. That way, even if they try to recover things from backup, the the encryptor file is there and it runs immediately. But purely from the business standpoint, the impact to the victim business is pretty high at that point because you you are shutting them down. You have a higher chance of payout. Not a guarantee. None of these are guaranteed payouts, but you have a higher chance someone's gonna pay out. The payout amounts right now we've seen and we talked about in tons of the stories are, are probably in the millions uh, in some of these. Though I will say there's a lot of, of, you know, cyber criminals out there who are getting smarter and starting to realize maybe I should tie it to my in- or to their insurance premiums. If their insurance premiums is, hey, we'll pay ransomware up to, you know, half a million dollars. Well, then that's what the victims are. or they the 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 hacker is going to ask from the victim. But you also got to think an attack of this requires a little more finesse. You need to gain access to a network. Uh, Either you are a genius hacker or more likely than not, you're paying a middleman called an initial access broker who already has a hook in that network. And you're just paying to be able to exploit that. And then if you're using ransomware as a service, you're making the payment there. And um, you have to kind of hope that you can get through the network without being detected until the ransomware uh, is is running all the way through. So there is there is a lot from a business perspective that has to go on for these kind of attacks to work. So take it for what it is. It it it, it, it it's funny to think about how hackers operate in the full realm of a business, but it is a business to them. They have, they have to sit there and look at their costs and figure out their attacks. There's no guarantee that there's going to be a payment. They have to hedge their bets on doing this. So kind of to put it uh, into, um, you know, perspective, take these move it ransomware attacks that have been happening. The stuff was there. The, 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 vulnerabilities, maybe there's a pay for, but there's a whole lot of victims. And they're going to ask for a lot of money from all the victims. And let's just say 10% of those victims actually pay it. Uh, That's fine by them. They'll make their money back. But that's why they ask for such a high amount. Because not everyone's going to do it. They're not going to return all the data. But they will have what they need to kind of move on to the next level. And that's what you're going to start seeing, uh, I think, trend-wise from hackers. From a business perspective, it makes more sense to hit as many people as possible. Um, and ask somewhat reasonable, maybe a little on the higher side of reasonable, uh, payments, because the people who pay will make up for the people who don't pay, business-wise. Uh, and you're starting to see this as you know ransomware as a service, as initial access brokers become more and more um, part of the process. Those are fees; those are expenses that the hacker business is going to have to deal with and include in their margins for business. So next time you get hacked, I mean, just think that there's someone out there who probably spent some time on a spreadsheet, figuring out if that attack against you or your organization was worth it. Now for our third story this week, um, which to me is an interesting one. Uh, So Sophos, which is a security company uh, that's on the bigger side, it's probably one most people have heard of. You may even have Sophos malware or um, antivirus installed on your computer. So, Sophos is a, is a brand name most people know. Well, they found themselves with a imposter pretending to be them, with an encryptor uh, to encrypt files on your computer, uh, pretending to be them. Uh, and this was initially found by the Malware Hunter team, who found this ransomware encryptor that had or that was pretending to be Sophos, the security company. And initially, they thought this was like a, a red team exercise, meaning that it was a hacking exercise uh, done by Sophos. Uh, so they reached out to them, and they're like, hey, we found this, is is, is this you? And it was, it was not. It was not them. Uh, in fact, the Sophos X ops team tweeted that they did not create this encryptor, and now they are investigating what it's doing. Um, there is a service called ID Ransomware Service that helps you ID what ransomware you have. Um, one person has already submitted this ransomware note to them. So, at the time of recording, this is a live and active threat to personal and business computers. So, the Sophos Encrypt uh, malware is written in Rust. It kind of holds its files and sees users' uh, Dubinin, D U B I N I N, Dubinin path, um, where when it runs, it asks for uh, feedback from the person running it, and when I say the person running it, I don't mean the the victim; I mean the hacker. So the hacker uh, will be asked to give it an token, an affiliate token, meaning you know I'm claiming this, and then you know it'll it'll go to my my bank in the ransomware as a service thing. Um, so it'll ask for the for the token, which is available in the the admin panel for the for the malware whatever you want to call it. the 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 page in which lets you run this 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 malware remotely so they put the token in if the token is valid it reaches out and connects to a specific server which is 179.43.154.137 and it reaches out to it on port 21 119 not really a port that's that's registered for anything else it's just one of those wild ports that float in the air interesting enough though this IP address has been listed as a Cobalt Strike command and control server. So, maybe a little overlap on the amount of uh, malicious actors using this. Once again, I would block this either personally or in businesses, just to be on the safe side. But once you run this and you put your affiliate in and it validates that you are a valid um, user of the ransomware as a service, it's going to ask for some information, like your contact email, your jab, not your real one. You're not going to type in Jim Guck in, in there. You're going to type in, a, you know, whatever email you want people to reach out to you that's not necessarily tied to you. Uh, if you use Jabber, whatever the Jabber address, address is, it'll ask for a 32-character passcode, uh, which the passcode is used as part of the encryption algorithm, you know, the thing that you're going to give to the victims as part of the decryptor. It takes all this and encrypts. It starts encrypting the files on the computers using AES-256 encryption. So it uses a very hefty encryption um, to lock all these files down on your computers. Uh, from there, uh, you'll start seeing the file names pop up on the computer, uh, and it's very interesting. They have the, the affiliate token as part of the log uh, of the uh, file name. It also have the email address that the hacker has entered so that you may reach out to them and call them, and then, like most ransomware, pops on a special extension. In this one, it just calls it .sofos. Which once again goes towards it pretending to be the security company doing this. Uh, it also creates a uh, information.hta file, which is where it has all the information on, um, on how to allow people to contact these malicious actors out there. Um, it automatically opens once the encryption is complete. It's very convenient for you. I mean, the hackers make it uh, very easy for you. And in there, it has the you know the, the general note of hey, you've been hacked. Um, here's how you get a hold of me. Now, remember, I said it asked for the email address and the Jabber address and, and sorts of things. This will automatically be filled into that um, information packet on the uh, the, the information .hta file. The one thing I do love that this one does that is a little more different than most other ones I've seen is it actually will change the desktop on the victim's computer, explaining that it is Sophos, the security company. As their logo and everything. It says, your files have been encrypted. Please reach out to us via the file. And that's how they get into you. So it's really interesting because usually most malware providers, we've talked about Conti in the past or uh, Revil or RevEvil, depending on how you want to say their name. They have all taken on their personal name. So very rarely have you seen a ransomware group use a security professional team as the name that they're bounding off of. Maybe it's to make Sophos look bad. Maybe it's to hoping that people go, "Oh, well, that legitimate security company somehow has, you know, for some reason encrypted all the comp- all the files on my computer." I-, I don't know, but it's one of those things that you have to watch out for because it's 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 out there. And how to defend yourself is the same as how you would defend against any ransomware out there. It's make sure your your antivirus update. Make sure your. Uh, your security tools are up to date. Make sure you're not clicking on things you're not expecting. Uh, but there's always new versions right now. It, it, it's it's like whack a mole. You know, even if someone were to shut this down now, there would still be other ones. As I said, the, the the command and control server that gives the hacker access to your computer once they get access to it is using the same infrastructure as the Cobalt Strike team. There's a lot of these groups that have a lot of overlap and use the same infrastructure. And yeah, we've talked about this. The FBI and, and international forces will raid these people and they'll take it down for periods of time, but then they'll just spin it up into a different thing and they'll find some way of reaching back out to all the um, you know tools they have out there and point to our new address. And it just kind of moves from there. So you really have to be careful what you're opening. But very interesting that this one has chosen to mimic a security company out there not something you see often now for our final story this week and this is one that I think I initially had put out on social media I want to say a month ago maybe less I don't know. I lose track of time easily um, but it specifically has to do with generic top-level domains and I'm going to say that and to the majority of people out there even people who may be technical Uh, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So, to start out with, Fortinet Guard, uh, who is a security company, uh, listed their global threat landscape for 2022 for last year. They just published it, you know, this week, July 17th, 2023. Uh, And if you've listened to the show, you won't be surprised by their outcome, which is phishing is the primary attack method to gain access to a network. It always has been and always will be. It's easier. Like I've talked about in the past part, phishing is automated, very low cost, and very well to get into a network, and then you have all your other tools. So you get into a network that way via breaching. So let's talk about what my complaint is with top-level domains now. So top-level domains are the ones we've always known, have always existed on the network, or in the internet for as long as we've known it. Those are your .coms, .org, .net, .edu, .org, .gov, all of those initial ones that we're all familiar with, like the, it was maybe like 10 or so that existed on the early internets. Those are all considered top level domains. We're familiar with them. Uh, you probably, if you're younger or spending time on the internet um, might be familiar with what they call GTLDs generic top level domains. These are the ones I'm sure you've seen more and more pop up. Um, these are ones like .cat, .travel, .mobi, .biz, Um, dot, what's it, uh, linktree, the one I use my thing as, like, dot, R-E-E. So these ones are not your typical ones that are starting to appear. Those are the dangerous ones. Um, And specifically, the one that just became a a generic TLD that is dangerous is the dot zip, dot Z-I-P. And the reason is, is because if you think about it, there's, uh, if I go to zip and you see it in a document, you're more likely to think that it is a compressed file, .zip, than a website .zip. And this is the whole hope of attackers out there. They wanna create this confusion. They want you to see an email with a .zip and, you know, just click it, thinking it's a a zip file. So I'm gonna send you a file, there's a link, you click it and you run it. Now you can have all sorts of malware download at that point. Now, there are a couple out there that are pretty funny that are .zip and they point you to, you know, some other page. Or there's one that pretends to be a new level of uh, ChatGPT. I think it was like ChatGPT5. And it just has like a, a like a Word document on it. But you're going to have to start paying attention to these .zip domains because they're not attachments. So they don't necessarily get scanned when an email comes to you. So if I send you right now an email and I compress a whole bunch of Word documents into one and as a .zip and send it to you that will get scanned by your email security system and detect if there's any malware in there. If I just send you a link, now if you're a bigger company, you may have something that scans links as they're clicked and maybe that'll catch it but more likely it's not scanning not everything's always scanning everything for malicious uh, material, especially if you don't have that kind of system on a business. Businesses that more than likely probably have it, but me, Jim Guckin, as a person, I don't have anything necessarily scanning links that I click to emails. Now, I am, I am ultimately paranoid when it comes to the links and emails, but not everyone is. So this .zip thing, fishers are using it, so people click it and run stuff that they shouldn't be running. Whole idea is to create confusion, especially around people who are not as technologically savvy as other people. A user is going to consider that a file extension. They're not, they're not, they're not going to think it's a domain or a website. Now, how you can protect yourself. This is the part that you really care about. How do you protect yourself? One, if you have a business, I would just block the entire .zip uh, domain from your organization. Unless you have something that uses .zip. But right now, there are not many legitimate websites that have it. Uh, Make sure, um, whether personal or business, there's some kind of web filter or a browser extension that you can use just to make sure that the websites are authentic and what they should be. Uh, Always double check URLs before clicking them uh, and make sure your antivirus operating system, web browser, everything's up to date um, as much as possible. It may not 100% protect you, but you'd much rather be fully protected before you, you know, kind of reach into that kind of stuff. So just better safe than sorry in that point. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for, for listening to our show. Don't forget, you can go to our website, cybersecuritynewsbite.com. That has all the show notes for this show, including those IP addresses I told you, and links to the articles that I used to build uh, today's story, so that you can go and do even more research. Uh, I wish I could go through them ad nauseum, but the show after a half hour would just get grating listening to my voice over and over again. Uh, so you can go to the websites that are a part of the show notes to find more information about them. If you want, you can reach out to me, me at jimguckin.com is my email address. You can also find out more information about me personally at jimguckin.com. And please, please make sure you stay safe online and we'll talk again next week. You've been listening to the Cybersecurity News Byte with Jim Guckin. Learn more about our show at CybersecurityNewsbite.com.